Huxley basically argued if people would lose their freedom because they were so entertained by screens, by entertainment, uh, by pop culture, that they would voluntarily give up a lot of their personal information and a lot of their agency. There's no doubt that Orwell got everything right, I think, in my opinion, except one thing, perhaps. Government, I don't think that's going to be Big Brother. You know, I think it's going to actually be a combination of Amazon, Google, and Facebook. It's about unlimited access and power. These companies know you better than you know yourself, and they know everything you do and say in private, and they also understand how to manipulate that knowledge. Public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific, technological elite. Welcome to the show. Would you like to hear a podcast? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Our Foundations. My name is Joshua, and today's episode will be a second related to technology, the printing press, and the internet, and the comparisons between the two. This episode today will focus on some of the impacts that the printing press had, and then also relate that to the internet, obviously, as well as some worries that came up because of some of these impacts and some of the possibilities that sprung up with this new technology that started to go mainstream. The first thing I want to highlight is related to language as a whole. So in Western Europe, in the time period that the printing press became popular and widespread. There were many different dialects of the language. So even if a lot of people spoke English or French or whatever the language of the area was, there are many different dialects of each language that were very different from each other, almost as though they were their own many languages within each language. And this did provide a barrier between communication and information between different people. And this was a bit of a problem. You had a common language such as Latin was one that was highly used. But uh, for example, all of your services at church were in Latin, but most of the common people couldn't understand Latin. They couldn't read it. They couldn't write it. They couldn't understand it when it was spoken. And so that, again, was a barrier. It wasn't like there was this universal language that everybody could speak, everyone could understand. That's just not the way it was. However, as the printing press came out and as it started to become more and more popular, more and more widespread, the language that was used and the way language was used and the dialects used of the more popular books and pamphlets and things like this did become a solidifier for the languages they were written in because you had many people of many different villages, cities, towns, regions that were reading the same thing. And as this was happening, they started to mesh the different aspects of the language that they were reading with the language that they spoke and interacted with on a daily basis. And so it did help form language in a more unified sense A lot of people say that Shakespeare had a big influence on language as well as the King James Bible. And there are a lot of different aspects that had a similar impact on uh, on language in particular. But the printing press as a whole did definitely help to solidify that. And especially since a lot of the more intellectual things and information were in languages that people didn't understand really, especially as we're talking about the Uh, prequel to the Reformation. This is a lot of things related to theology and the church. And a lot of that, like I said, was in Latin, which the common people couldn't really understand, oftentimes at least. And so when you had some
something written in the common German tongue, then a lot of the more lower class peoples of the area could read that. They could understand that. If it was read to them, they knew what it was saying, and that really helped. So you had things in the common language as well as the common language itself was helping to be more unified. And so this was a really big impact that the printing press had a big role to play in. The internet today has done some similar things. Now, while the internet has had some impact on language as a whole, that wouldn't really be where I would go with it. Although there are different words and memes and abbreviations that weren't around really before the internet, or at least weren't popular by any stretch of the imagination, that now are part of the common language. And so there is that aspect. But more than that, I would say just the language, if you view language as a way of communicating and understanding ideas, then the internet has really had a big impact on that of how society communicates, how individuals communicate with each other within society, how people interact with the news and information just as a whole. These things have really changed. The way people get information, the way they process that information, the way that they get that information out there to other people and communicate their thoughts, their feelings, their ideas, how much they do that, how much communication. If you think of something like social media, people are posting every single thing they do. They'll post a picture of their food. They'll post a picture of their dog. They'll post a picture of their kid. And it's not just a picture. Oftentimes, there's a caption. Sometimes there's a story. Sometimes it's a little tweet. Sometimes it's an Instagram feed. There are all these different modes. But people are getting, they're communicating that information out there in this medium through the internet. This is a new thing in how people are communicating and how they're getting the information as well. Most people get a lot of their information from the internet, whether it be through social media sites or whether they are reading articles or blogs and different formats. There are many different ways, but most people are getting that through the internet. You are listening to this podcast because of the internet. That's why that is possible. And so whereas it used to be, people would read the newspaper or watch the news, and that's how they would get most of their information. And then you'd have the talk at work and that kind of stuff. Nowadays, most people get their information from the internet. So it's had this huge impact on language from that more macro view of what language is, communicating and understanding information. And this has definitely influenced society, I would say, to a very similar degree as the changes that the printing press made back in that time period, if not more. Now, there was sort of a proto-social media at this time period when the printing press started to come around and people were printing a lot of pamphlets. A lot of this was gossip, and this was stuff that people would eat up just like they do today. Everybody wants a good, juicy story about the village you know, down the river that had this crazy thing happen, and there's this crazy lady, you know, maybe she was even a witch. Oh, no. And she was doing all these spells and these weird things were happening and, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's not necessarily just the witchcraft stuff, although that was a very big impact I'll talk about in just a second. But just the fact that there are interesting things that happen to people that you wouldn't have normally heard in your everyday life because there is only a small amount of people you interact with in your village. And if you go to another village, you might hear some stories and that's about it. But if there's a really interesting story, then the printing press in one town will print it. A lot of times that pamphlet would get to other towns and then printing presses would 
would see, hey, a lot of people are into this. I'm going to start printing this too. There was no copyright. There was no enforcement, nothing like that. And so things would spread. And so you would get these uh, gossip pamphlets, whatever you want to call them, their version of social media, I would say. And this did exist. And people were eating that stuff up. They're very interested in it. And it was something that spread around. So it wasn't just theological debates, although that did happen with the printing press. And that's where you get the Reformation. The printing press had so much more of an impact. Now, as I mentioned, the witch hunts, that was something that was a big issue because as people got kind of hooked on this idea of witches being all around and there being heretics as well as just juicy stories and crazy stuff going around, there are pamphlets and books about how to detect a witch and how to hunt out witches and root them out in your village and how to deal with them, how to kill them, because of course you have to, and lots of things like this. It really fueled the witch hunts that were going on, and they they happened at different periods of time for different lengths of time and to different degrees. But the printing press definitely played a huge role in really ramping that up, largely just through accusations and rumors and gossip and descriptions and manuals and just all these different things that were printed and distributed that people were interested in because, again, it's a juicy story. It's just like all these clickbait articles you see on your social media feeds. They get a lot of clicks because that's what they're designed to do. And that's what happened for this period in time too. And that doesn't mean that all of them were fake. Some people buy into that and they're all about it and they want to make sure they get information out there to the next town because, oh man, there's this huge breakout of witches in our village. We have to warn others. That kind of idea. And again, we see that on social media. People totally buy into some big thing, let's say the QAnon thing, and uh, they want to get that out there to everybody. Oh no, there's cannibals and pedophiles that are ruling the world and we need to root them out and do something about this. And uh, well, I would not disagree that there are definitely people in the elite circles that are pedophiles without a doubt. There is definitely plenty of background for using blood from younger people and older elites using that for different reasons. There's uh, things having to do with the occult and all kinds of stuff that is actually true and factual. My personal view is that the QAnon thing is more of a psyop, and that would be more my view based on all the research I have done personally, but that is neither here nor there and really is not very relevant here. But just the point is that people can buy into things, whether they be true or not, and then distribute that information, get it out there. And because it is so attractive and people are so entertained by it and drawn into it, it spreads like wildfire and it can have a big impact, sometimes positive and sometimes negative. This is the idea of going viral. We know about that in today's world where you'll have a video clip that goes viral and all of a sudden it's seen by 3 million people all around the world after it just got uploaded 10 minutes ago. And this stuff does happen. This stuff did happen then too. It wasn't millions of people within a few minutes, but relatively to the technology that they had and the culture that they had, it was the same concept of the witch hunts are a very good example that I think I've fleshed out plenty here. The idea that this story gets out there, people latch onto it, it spreads, it spreads, it spreads, it spreads, and it went viral. It could not do that, at least not to the same degree or as efficiently or effectively, before the technology was there to make that happen and enable that even further. And that was the role that the printing press played. 
Now, there were also some other negative things that came with the printing press. You had things like pornography, where you had naked pictures that were printed off. You had slander. Some of these articles and gossip columns that went out, they were just slander. They weren't true. It was someone getting back at somebody else, some revenge deal. A lot of the witch hunts were fueled by this kind of thing, where you didn't like this lady over here, so you accuse her of being a witch. And that happened all the time. You also had just trashy stories. You had these things that were viewed by, let's say, more polite society and religious society as eroding the values and the morals and disrupting the true religion. And these were things that were against God. This was against the Bible. This was against the church. Therefore, this is bad. And this was a big issue that was coming up because, again, the printing press didn't just print Martin Luther's theological ideas and complaints about the church. There were so many more things that were going on there. Just like with the Internet, there is so much going on there. It's not just one aspect as far as how it impacts society and influences people. There are just all these different ways. Let's use that as a segue to get into the church. There was one very innovative way that the church used the printing press. And what I am thinking here is the printing of indulgences. So the idea of an indulgence is that if you did something good for the church, if you gave money to the church, if you did some good deeds in the name of the church, then you could get this indulgence. And what that would do would be to limit your time in purgatory. And just to get a little bit of background here, the belief was that when you died, you went into this holding place, your soul was in this holding place, and before it could get into heaven, you were in this place called purgatory. And this was not necessarily a pleasant position to be in. You wanted to get to heaven. And so the idea was that if you got an indulgence or indulgences, then you can limit your time that you're in purgatory and kind of get some time off for the good deeds that you did here on earth. And these were also offered at times for dead relatives, for example, other people that you loved that were dead, and you could get an indulgence for them now that would help shave off a little bit of their time that they are currently serving in purgatory. And so this is the idea of, a, of an indulgence. Now, the way the printing press was used here is a lot like the printing press that people say is used by the Federal Reserve or central banks around the world where they just keep printing fiat money. This was kind of what the church did in a lot of ways. They printed off all of these indulgences, and it was like money. What they would do is oftentimes collect money for these printed pieces of paper, and they use that money then to fund wars and crusades. They would fund building projects and cathedrals. They would lobby in the political field, and they would give out bribes or whatever it is they needed to do, pay themselves. The Pope would have a circus going around with him everywhere he went, and lots of different crazy things that happened. But a lot of this was funded at times through indulgences that they could just print off as much as they wanted, and then they had as much money as they wanted. And that's often what central banks can do as well. They can create as much fiat money as possible. And at one time, a lot of this was actual cash. But now it's not. It's digital. And the internet does allow this transfer of wealth digitally. A lot of fiat money is 
in the digital realm, in the digital spectrum. It's not that they necessarily print off a million dollars and then pass it off to one of the big banks. They just transfer some ones and zeros over the internet and the bank then so-called has the money. And the internet has enabled the easy creation of fiat money to then use for whatever it is they want to use it for. Now, going back to more of the writing and the words that were printed on the printing press, there was plenty related to the church and hence the connection to the Reformation here. There were lots of conflicting and inflammatory writings that were going on. You had the Catholics, you had the Protestant, you had different factions, you had the Calvinists, you had the Anabaptists later on. There were lots of people with lots of different views. Martin Luther was definitely not the first person to have issues with the Catholic Church. He was, however, one of the first people to have these issues with the Catholic Church at the time that the technology was able to have these ideas go viral. And this played a huge role in sparking the Reformation. And so this was something that really inflamed the divide between these people that had different views of what was going on. Now, if you think of the parallel to religion at that period in time and the role that played in society to now being politics and the political divide that is largely fueled by the internet and the difference of opinions that people have on there and post all over the place. And this information gets out there and it goes viral that couldn't have happened before the internet. And now it is possible. Again, you should easily be making these connections by now if you've been listening to these episodes for any length of time. And so that is something that is definitely going on in today's world. Now, the result of that for the Reformation was it ended up undermining the church's monopoly on explaining the Bible, and it enabled debates to occur within the believing body of people, which was most people at the time. The same is true today. It's not like the state can actually control all of the information that's out there anymore. The state is not the source for that. It is the internet that is most people's main source. I didn't look up the stats on this before this episode, but I remember seeing these stats a few months ago, and it was just kind of appalling and scary how many people got all of their news from social media. People are getting a lot of their information, doing a lot of their research via the internet through sources that are not directly state-controlled. Now, you could say and you could argue that the media is not necessarily state-controlled. We had the freedom of the press, and there were news agencies that have been around for a long time before the internet. Well, maybe look at something like Operation Mockingbird, where the CIA was infiltrating different sources of news and information for the sake of state propaganda. To just read you a very quick blurb from Wikipedia, Operation Mockingbird is an alleged large-scale program of the United States Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, that began in the early years of the Cold War and attempted to manipulate news media for propaganda purposes. It funded student and cultural organizations and magazines as front organizations. Now, it does say alleged. A lot of that has been declassified and is 100% confirmed. So maybe there are some alleged aspects of that that are not. But the fact that that program existed and they had infiltrated the majority of the mainstream news networks, they had magazines, like they mentioned, uh, cultural movements and student organizations, 
unions, all kinds of these institutions that people got their information from were uh, largely controlled by the state through things like Operation Mockingbird. And there are plenty of other examples of things like this that I will not get into here. But the point is that once you have the internet, I am not going to argue that the state does not have influence and is not using propaganda against people. QAnon very well might be the perfect example of this, and that might come out in the far distant future. But there are definitely ways that the state is using the internet for propaganda and to manipulate people's opinions and steer them in certain directions. Without a doubt, this is happening. The problem, from the state's point of view at least, is that they don't have very much control over the internet. Unfortunately, although they do not have very much control over the internet, they still do have a lot of control over people on the internet for many various reasons. But there are ways for people to get information fairly easily that is not government propaganda. And even if it is, they can get multiple sources from many different people and many different organizations that can give many different perspectives on one bit of information, and then people can actually make up their mind about it. It's not like they just hear the nightly news every night, and that's where they get all their information. Similar to the church before the printing press, the majority of the things out there related to theology and the Bible and how you're supposed to live, that was coming from the church. That was coming from your priest. That was highly controlled. It's not that there weren't dissenting opinions. It's not that you couldn't find some of this stuff, but it was very difficult and it was very easy for the church to control that narrative relatively. And the same is true today, where it was fairly easy for the state to control things before the internet. Now that the internet's out, it's not quite so easy. They can censor stuff, but now there are plenty of platforms that aren't censored. Or as soon as you censor a video, it pops up somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else. You can't really stop this. And so even though there still is a huge impact, just like there was still a huge role that the church played in being this intermediary between the information and the Bible and God and the people, a lot of this broke down and there were plenty of cracks that appeared with the evolution of the technology and what that enabled. Now, one of the negative aspects for the church is that it exposed a lot of corruption. And this was largely oriented towards the Pope, but also different lords and kings and bishops, corruption as a whole. But again, the biggest impact was the corruption of the church. They were the ones that were supposed to have the moral high ground. They were the ones that had so much control, and they were the ones that people basically were looking to to keep everything in order, society, keep it together. And the printing press was getting out this information that this might not be the case. And there were plenty of examples and direct evidence of corruption going on. The same is true of the internet. We get a lot of this information about the corruption of the government through the internet. The state is the entity that we look to to hold society together. They're supposed to have the moral high ground. Now, it could be argued that most people don't view politicians and governments as having the moral high ground, but I don't think we would argue that they should. That is their role that they ideally should play and that they at least used to be expected to play. But now that we have the internet, we can get all of this information. Some of it comes directly from the government itself. A lot of the information I've talked about on this podcast, especially season one, a lot of that came from government investigations and declassified documents straight from the government. That the only reason I could get a hold of those is because of the internet. And this 
definitely has a huge role to play. Now, as this was playing out in the time period of the Reformation, these were the things that led to the environment of the split from the church, the breakdown of the power of the church and the influence of the church, the rise of the kings and the nobility and all of these things. This technology and these things that I'm talking about This is what fueled these huge societal shifts that were going on in this time period, what is one of the biggest time periods for changes in society in history, period. And the printing press had a huge role to play in that. And I would argue that the same will probably be true as we look back at our current time period and the impact that the internet had on some huge societal shifts that are probably going on as we speak. And we probably don't recognize all of them right now. But that is something to keep an eye on, all of these ways that the technology enables these things to really progress and evolve and actually change things and enable these shifts. Now, there were some worries at the time period of the printing press that people were uh, they were wary of because they were worried that there would be too much information. It would be information overload. There would be too much content. It would be hard to discern what was good. What is a good book? What is a true source of information? How are we going to figure that out? They're printing all this stuff out there. There's so many more books and papers and articles that are being printed now, and they're all over the place. How are we ever going to be able to get all of the information that we need and digest the important stuff when there's just so much. It'd be information overload. I don't think I even have to draw out the parallel to the internet here, and I probably don't on the next one either. The next one would be a worry that trash literature would then push out the quality literature. So the idea is that people would be so focused on all of this entertainment and literature that just did not have a lot of intellectual substance And this would dumb down society. People would not be wrestling with these important ideas. They wouldn't be reading the classic literature that they should be and getting the language, getting the concepts, getting the prose, getting all of these things. They wouldn't get this anymore because they're just looking at these gossip pamphlets and they're just so engrossed in the entertainment aspects and what we would consider the clickbait articles. That's what people are so wrapped up in. Social media, clickbait, random YouTube videos of something that might be slightly interesting, but you're not actually learning things from it. That's what people were worried about. And it is a legitimate worry. Instead of providing you with a solution to this, I'm just going to jump on to the final thing, and that would be propaganda. Mass scale propaganda is now possible. Now that we have the printing press, the church, the new church, the state, everybody can use this new technology to their advantage to get ideas and concepts out there to the public, to society writ large. This enables all of these people, the state, the church, the separatists, the local power players, people that just want revenge, all of these people have a tool now that they can use to get the things that they want, to influence people on a massive scale. Propaganda at this scale is now possible because of the printing press. And I've already slightly mentioned this about the internet as well and what this enables and how this is used and the dangers that we have to look out for, not only of just being overwhelmed by so much information, not only of being sucked into just the entertainment aspects and not actually getting the benefit of the information and the technology that we could, but also we have to be wary of 
propaganda of false information. This is something I have ran into a whole lot as I look into things like corruption and conspiracies and things like this. It gets way out there and the rabbit hole goes very deep, very wide, so many tunnels, and the majority of them are not worth pursuing. So it is something that we have to be very careful of. We saw how this was used with the printing press. All of these things did influence society and they did have an impact even on just the common peasant. And the same is true with the internet today. It has an impact on everybody just as a system, the internet as a system. I like systems. I've talked about systems a lot. That's kind of the whole point of this podcast. Season one was the education system, the economic system, the political system. The internet operates as a system. And when you look at it from that perspective, you can see the things that this system produces. You can see the flaws in the system just as a system, not necessarily individuals that are trying to manipulate you and manipulate things about it. The system itself does have some inherent issues and does have some inherent things that you need to know and you need to look out for. This is something that is just, again, good to be wary of. I am going to wrap up here. That is the end of this topic on technology, the printing press, the internet. I am going to move on to the next topic in the next episode. I did get the batch of shirts ordered and they just arrived today. So if you requested a t-shirt, then you will be receiving that sometime in the relatively near future. Overall, they look really good. I like them. I got a few for myself and I will be wearing them. So hopefully you enjoy them as well. If you have not done so already, please leave a rating and a review. Also, please feel free to email me if you have any questions, any feedback, anything whatsoever. And you can follow on Twitter if you're interested in that. All of that stuff should be in the show notes. And thank you very much for listening and being a part of this podcast and being an encouragement to me as I go through all of this information, do all this research. I use this as an outlet for all these things that I'm learning and thinking about and have come across. And it it really is encouraging to know that there are other people interested in this stuff and that you are getting something out of this. So just thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I greatly appreciate it, especially those who are supporting on Patreon. Thank you very much, especially to you people. And that is it. I'm out. Peace. This has been another episode of Our Foundations Podcast. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Yeah. Thank you. Goodbye.